So let's get into God's word here tonight. We're continuing in our study in Matthew 24 that we started a few weeks ago. And uh, this is during Passion Week. Uh, Jesus is headed to the cross of Calvary. He's told his disciples this. Uh, they're still not getting it. They really wouldn't get it until he uh, rose from the grave. But he continues to reiterate to them what he's doing. And in the meantime, we know the Jews were, the religious Jews were trying to find reason to take his life because of their jealousy towards him and a whole list of other things that we've looked at. We know that right before this passage, Jesus has publicly rebuked the Pharisees and the Sadducees once again. He's told them that they are like whitewashed tombs that are beautiful on the outside, but inward they are like dead man's bones. And then the Lord brings a rebuke to them in the temple as well as he gives praise to a lowly widow that probably never even got any attention other than what she doing in there who gave two uh, widow's mites, and the Lord said that gift is much bigger than the gifts of these men to blow their trumpets for attention and so forth. And then remember, leaving the temple out of there, the disciples, uh, they don't know what to do with all this. I mean, Jesus is just rebuking people left and right, and they're quite uncomfortable, and it seems they're trying to correct Jesus when they point out the stones of the temple and the, the, the greatness of the buildings and the magnitude of them. And it's as if they're trying to say, Jesus, they're not that bad, and the gifts they bring are good, because look at everything that's been built. And then Jesus gives them a prophetic word. He tells them, listen, there's not one stone here that won't be left on top of the other. The Lord gives a prophecy that came true in 70 AD when uh, the city of Jerusalem was born, burned down. They were actually given word, the soldiers not to burn down the temple, but a torch got thrown in it, and all the gold that was in the temple that plated the inside of the walls melted in between those stones, and those soldiers took every stone down to get every bit of gold out of there. And that word came true exactly as Jesus said that it would. And I think that that's powerful considering the question that comes next. They asked Jesus after he says that to them because they associated the destruction of the temple with the end of the age, and they said to Jesus, what will be the sign of your coming and the end of the age? And I'll tell you what, as Jesus was prophetically correct in what happened to that temple, everything that he says from here forth is going to come about, and many of these things seem to be coming about just as Jesus said that they would, even in the state that we are in right now. And so Jesus began to answer their question. And last week, we looked at verses 4 and 5. I thought maybe we'd get down to verse 8, but I really knew that we wouldn't be able to. So we got to verse 4 and 5 last week, and let's just read that again. The first thing that Jesus says to them about signs of his coming and the end of the age, he said in verse 4, it says, Jesus said to them, take heed that no one deceives you, for many will come in my name saying, I am the Christ and will deceive many. The first thing that he says is there's going to be deception. In fact, later on, he mentions this on two more occasions during this sermon. Take heed. There's going to be a lot of deception. There's going to be deception in the world, and unfortunately, deception even in Christianism. As he goes on to talk about false prophets, he begins to talk about, you know what, false Christ, and not necessarily in the sense of someone saying, I'm Christ, but Christ means anointed. So people saying they're anointed or ordained or approved of God when really the are not. And we talked about this in the Word, and we looked at several verses that talk about this deception in the last days. And then more importantly, we looked at some scriptures to help us combat deception. 
we looked at verses and got some instruction on how to grow in discernment. And I just really want to quickly go over this real quick. I don't got the verses up here, but the things that we saw to battle deception, number one, we need to get grounded in truth. And Jesus said, you will know the truth in John 8, 32, and the truth will set you free. And then in Hebrews 5, it talks about us eating the meat of the word so that we can discern both good and evil. So we want to get grounded in truth. And then we saw next Paul praying for those in Philippi there in Philippians 1.9. And he was praying that they would grow in discernment. And so we want to be asking God for discernment. We want to ask the Lord to help show us what's true and what's not. And then thirdly, we saw that we have a call to love the truth. It's not enough just to know the truth. We have a call to love the truth. And we saw there in 2 Thessalonians in chapter 2, verses 9 through 12, about how when the Antichrist comes upon the scene, he's going to come in great deception again with lying signs and wonders. And it talks about the world following him. Why? Because they did not love the truth. And because they did not love the truth, they were susceptible and will be susceptible to his lies. And then number four, we saw that we are called to fear the truth. And in that, we looked at the call to fear the Lord. And we looked at a passage in Malachi chapter 3, verse 16 through 18, that talks about fearing the Lord and meditating on his name. And as a result of that, God giving discernment. And we've talked a lot about the fear of the Lord. And the fear of the Lord, listen, this isn't the idea of being fearful of an abusive father, but absolutely being reverent of a loving father of a father who nurtures you and goes before you and who you can call Abba Father and who you also know when he gives you instruction that it's spot on. When he says, don't go there, you know. He says, don't go there because it's going to be bad for you, not to your benefit. And when he says to do this, you know that there's blessing and life bound there. And that's the picture of someone that fears the Lord. They have a reverence for God. And listen, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And boy, wisdom helps in combating deception. Then two other things. We saw that we have a call to walk in humility. And we saw Proverbs 16, 18 says, pride goes before destruction. And when we walk in pride, there's blinders that come. When we walk in a humble heart, our eyes get open. There's a lot more discernment down in walking in a humble heart. And then lastly, and I know I'm going through these quickly, but all this is, is online, it's on Facebook, YouTube, it's on our website, our podcast, CDs. There's like five ways right there that you can, and you, you can get these. And then number six, though, we saw that we're to test all things by the truth. And we saw there in 1 Thessalonians 5, 21, it says, test all things, hold fast to what is good, abstain from every form of evil. And how do we test? It's the way the Bereans tested Paul and the things that he brought. They compared what he said to the scriptures. Does this line up with the word of God? Now, tonight, we come here to verse 6, and Jesus continues to talk about the signs of the end of, his, of, the, end of the age and of his second coming. And uh, let's, let's read verses 6 through 8 together, and then we're gonna, we'll, we'll, we'll go through this a verse at a time, and, and uh, you know what, a, a, a kind of a saying at a time here. It says here in verse 6, and you will hear of wars and rumors of wars, See that you are not troubled, for all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. For nation will rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom, 
Now there'll be famines, pestilence, and earthquakes in various places. All these are the beginning of sorrows. One other thing I want to tell you guys as we get into this, the last two weeks we've been uh, having a little Q&A at the end, and I've done my best to give biblical answers to questions. Some things are just more someone asking my opinion, and you know what? God's word is true. My opinion is what it is. You can do without what you want. But at the end of our time tonight, hopefully we'll set aside about 15 minutes as well to do that. So if, as we're going through this, if there's something that, you know what, brings a question in your mind or something, kind of mark that down, and uh, we'll try to tackle that here at the end. So again, verse 6, you'll hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you're not troubled, for all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. Now notice here, first of all, I'm not going to jump right into the war and rumors of wars, but he said you'll hear or you'll hear reports of. And the thing that is unique about this age that we are living in right now is we hear about just, just about everything that goes on in the world today. I mean, if something happens, we pretty much hear about it. Now, we might get five or six different accounts, and oftentimes, uh, you know, you get two accounts that sound completely different from one another. But one thing that we see that is unique about the end of the age and the coming of the Lord is information is readily available to the masses. In fact, Daniel prophesied in Daniel 12, verse 4, and that is a very prophetic book. In fact, we even talked about a key to understanding Matthew 24 is understanding the teaching of Daniel the prophet. And we'll get into that, Lord willing, down the road. But it says in Daniel 12, verse 4, it says, but you, Daniel, shut up the words and seal the book until the time of the end. Many shall run to and fro, and knowledge shall increase. And it's amazing because, listen, there's impoverished, chil impoverished children in third world countries today that have smartphones, that have access to more information than presidents and kings of massive nations had at their fingertips even 20, 30 years ago. And that with a smartphone, again, you have a computer in your hand. It should be really called, you know, your computer versus a, a, a phone. That, a phone's kind of the small thing that it does. And knowledge is increasing greatly. And because well, I'm bringing this out because we're looking at the time we're living in and we're considering are we at the end of the age. I think most of you would probably say that, that we are. Uh, biblically, it seems that we are. Now, we don't know where the end lies. It's, again, something we not, need not walk in fear of, absolutely. But we want to look at this in light of today. And he says, you'll hear of wars and rumors of wars. And then, in, again, Daniel's prophecy, it says that men will run to and fro. Now, they did that a lot more before the COVID thing, right? And we're all told we can't go anywhere. But before then, you could jump in a plane and fly to the other side of the world in a day, right? It's unlike any other time, the amount of travel and the, the ways we can get to and fro. And then again, knowledge shall increase. Listen, wisdom's not increasing. Absolutely, it's probably at an all-time low. But knowledge is absolutely increasing. And listen, when you got a lack of wisdom and an abundance of knowledge, that's usually a really bad combination. And I think we look around our world today and we see that that's absolutely the case. It's also interesting, though, in Revelation chapter 11, uh, with the two witnesses that are going to come on the scene during the time of Antichrist, and they're going to be a thorn in his side. They're going to call down fire from heaven and do all these various things in an effort to get people to repent and call upon the Lord. They're not just doing those things to be antagonistic 
We know at the end of their earthly ministry that they're going to get struck down dead. And it's interesting in Revelation 11:9 it says, then those from the people's tribes, tongues, and nations will see their dead bodies three and a half days and not allow their dead bodies to be put in the graves. Now notice what it says again. The peoples of tribes, tongues, and nations will see their dead bodies. That could have never happened at any other time than the time we're living in today. I know some people even maybe, you know, 30, 40 years ago will have said, well, you know, with television, you know, everyone could see those things. But even at that point, there's so many places that still don't have television that actually do have smartphones and the like. And so we can see how absolutely that is a prophecy that can be fulfilled today unlike any other time in the history of the world. And so I think it coincides with what Jesus is saying here. You're going to hear about these things. And we indeed hear about these things on a daily basis. If we look at the news at all, and I know most of you guys do that, I think that we, you know, it's probably good just to look at it once a day, you know, maybe... You know, 10 minutes or something. If you look at it all day long, that, that might be a recipe for, you know, a, a sorrowful heart for sure. Or maybe you're a, a bona fide, you know, prayer warrior and it's like, I need something to pray about. Well, just open the news and you'll get plenty to pray about. And, and we're hearing about, again, all day long about wars and, again, rumors of wars. And wars absolutely are all over the world. Really, since the fall of man in the garden, there have been wars since the time of Christ, there have been wars. And we'll get to this again at the end of our study. Remember in verse 8, Jesus says these are the beginning of sorrows or birth pains. And in that, he's indicating that the things he's talking about as we get closer to the end, they're going to happen on a more, uh, on a more uh, you know, a, a consistent basis. And like a birth pain that gets closer and closer, those labor pains, they're more intense as you get close to the birth of that baby. And think about just the last hundred years, we've had two world wars. We've had wars all over the earth. People even right now are talking about a World War III that could erupt at any time. I just did a little bit of, of, of research with all the knowledge that's out there. And I saw as of last week, I was going to look at this last week, so I didn't update this. Maybe it's different this week. But as of last week, right now in the world, there's five major wars that are being fought. And then there are 55 ongoing, more minor wars according to the United Nations. Now, it's probably actually much higher than 55 minor wars, but from the United Nations, listen, that's a lot of wars in the world, five major wars and 55 wars that are going on. And I remember teaching, and I didn't fact check this, but I remember teaching through um, the, the, the book of Mark, I think we went into that before we looked at John on Sunday mornings. And I remember at that time there being something like 28 minor wars in the world. And so it seems it's doubled in the last five, six years, whenever it was that we went through there. He also says here you're going to hear of rumors of wars. And boy, we hear of rumors of wars nonstop. There's rumors of wars right now of our nation going to war with China, our nation going to war with North Korea, our nation going to war with uh, Iran, uh, some of these Middle East countries. And we'll get into this more in a little bit. Boy, there's a lot of rumors right now of a civil war in our own nation. In fact, many people believe that we are already in a type of civil war of ideologies, a cold civil war. And boy, God forbid that it ever becomes 
a legitimate war in the sense of people taking up arms. And I kind of cringe when I hear people, you know, at even, even at whatever side of the spectrum politically or whatever it is that they're at, when, when they, 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 they start getting excited at the thought of that. I think, man, you don't know what war is. I mean, I, I hope that that wouldn't excite anybody. I hope that would cause everybody to want to sober up in their thinking and so forth. But it does seem that there are individuals that are really trying to stir the pot and would love to see that happen. And it's very unfortunate. That's the product of a deprived mind for sure. Um, and it's not to say that there aren't wars that are fought at times that aren't righteous wars. Indeed, there are some righteous wars fought in the Bible. There's been righteous wars fought in the history of the world and so forth. Uh, but one thing we do know is that we hear of wars going on over the place, and there are rumors of wars all over the place. Now, I know these rumors of wars, uh, the, these are perhaps where we are in our nation more troubling than the wars that are out there. We've been very blessed as a nation where uh, really, you know what, outside of when our nation was founded, our civil war, I know in World War II, we were, you know, Pearl Harbor and so forth. But the mainline United States, listen, we've never really, especially in our lifetime, had a war on our soil. And as we see these, you know what, rising conflicts, and again, if you follow the news at all or social media, which, I, again, I know most of you guys do, we keep hearing of these rumors of a possible civil war. And it seems like every weekend there's more people taking up arms and demonstrating in the streets and all these things. And what I want to tell you in this, and it's going to move into what the Lord talks about next and not being troubled. Listen, we need to be aware of what's going on, and we need to be aware of rumors that are out there, and we need to pray for sure. But here's the thing we don't want to do. We want to make sure that we don't let rumors rip our hearts with fear. Because we have an adversary named Satan, and listen, Satan loves to spread rumors. Do you know that? Remember that song, How Do Rumors Get Started? And then it says, they're started by the jealous people. Does anyone know that song? Am I the only one that a few guys know? Yeah, a few guys know. And they say, the rumors are started by the jealous people. Uh, you know who's the most jealous one? Satan's jealous of God. He wants to be God. And he loves starting rumors because he loves to, you know what, use fear as a weapon to paralyze, to, to, to bring depression, to bring despair. He loves to... Uh, again, trouble us. Luke's gospel says in Luke uh, 21.9, when you hear of wars and uh, commotions, do not be terrified or terrorized. And it's interesting where just the rumors of these things is really in a way could be, if we don't take our thoughts captive, used by the enemy to bring a type of spiritual terrorist attack upon our soul. We want to remember in the midst of the news cycle and in the midst of rumors that, again, Satan's a fear monger, but our Lord will never leave us. He'll never forsake us. And we haven't been called to worry. We've been called to be aware, for sure. We've been called to pray. We haven't been called to ignorance, but we haven't been called to, to worry, and we haven't been called to lean on our own understanding and push God's word out of whatever's before us. We want to take all our thoughts captive by God's word. I think of Proverbs 3, 5, it says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and lean not on your own understanding, and all your ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct your paths. 
And it's easy to hear these rumors and start leaning on your own understanding. The next thing you know, you know everything's gone and everyone you love has, has their life and you're off in some concentration camp, you know, for reconditioning for the Christians and so forth. And you got to go, you know, and so forth. And listen, there's rumors that are going on. But lean on not your own understanding, but acknowledge the Lord. Acknowledge the fact the Lord will never leave you nor forsake you. We'll get into more of those things here in a minute. Acknowledge that God's in control. And acknowledge, listen, there's a difference between rumors and actual factual things. We also want to remember what Jesus said in Matthew 6, 31. He said, therefore, do not worry, saying, what shall we eat? What shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? For after all these things the Gentiles seek, for your heavenly Father knows you need all these things. And then, of course, verse 33 But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Look at verse 34. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow. Did you guys come in here tonight worried about tomorrow? Honestly? Anybody? Kind of, yeah. (laughs) Don't worry about tomorrow. For tomorrow will worry about its own thing. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. And there's plenty of trouble today to worry about tomorrow. I like it says in Job, it says, man's born for trouble and the sparks fly upwards. I mean, there's plenty of sparks today. God wants us to rest in him. He's provided for us today, has he not? He's gotten us this far. Again, he went to the cross for us. He rose from the grave. He'll never leave us nor forsake us when we call on his name. And if you haven't called on his name, today's the day of salvation. Christ Jesus loves you. He died for your sins. He wants to wash you of your sin. He wants to be your Lord and Savior. And the word of God says, whoever, because there's no partiality with our God, whoever calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. Now, the Lord also says here again, and we'll come back to the troubled again, and we're going to build on that more. He says, see that you're not troubled, for all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. Again, when man fell in the garden... Everything changed. God created man without a sin nature. Again, he was in a place of paradise, created the perfect wife for him. I mean, they had the perfect marriage. Before sin was in there, there was no marriage counseling. There was need for none of that. There was no sin. But he, he made man with a free will. It's clear and that he told man, you could eat of any tree in the garden. The day you eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, sure that you're going to die. And again, we know Satan came along, villainized God. Did God say you'd really die if you eat of the tree? We talked about this a bit Sunday once again. They started leaning on their own understanding versus acknowledging the word where God said we're going to die. And they started seeing, boy, this looks good to eat, to make one wise. We want to be our own God. They ate of that tree. And listen, God's not a liar. Death set in. A curse came on this earth. Death set in. Men began the process of Headed toward, heading towards physical death and spiritual death set in that God is holy and God does not commune with sin. He just doesn't. We needed atonement for our sin and we praise God see the promise of the coming Savior right there in uh, Genesis 3 right after the fall. But here's the thing. When man fell, he sat on a course that's headed towards the, second, the first coming of Christ to save us and then the second coming. He said these things must come to pass. It's par for the course. God said you're going to die. Man ate and death has set in. And you look around the world and you see the wars. You see the pain. You see the suffering. You see the pestilence. You see child abuse. You see all these things. And people say, why is this happening? 
And if there's a God, why is he allowing this to happen? Because he gave man a choice. The man said, I'll be my own God. I don't need you. The good news is that he sent his son and God Almighty took on flesh, tempted in every way, yet he did not sin. And then he went to the cross of Calvary and took the wrath from his holy father to all of us upon himself. What a phenomenal picture of love. And again, he rose from the grave. So he said, listen, don't let your heart be troubled. These things must come to pass. And when we look at prophecy concerning the end of the age and the second coming of the Lord, we read as well in 1 Thessalonians 5, again, about the Antichrist is going to come on the scene at the beginning of the tribulation and appear to have all the answers. The world's going to be in great turmoil. And you know, we're, we're, there's a lot of turmoil in the world today. And it seems really clear they're going to be looking for somebody who can bring peace, someone who can bring answers. We read that he'll bring a peace agreement in the Middle East between Israel and her adversaries. It will be a seven-year uh, peace deal that will take place. And we also see that when he comes on the scene in 1 Thessalonians 5, I'll just read verse 3, that they're going to say peace and safety. And so it almost seems biblically that these wars and rumors of wars in a minute will read out the pestilence and the famines and the earthquakes and the signs and the heavens and all of the things going on is bringing mankind to this place of saying we need a savior. Now, praise God, we already have the savior in Christ Jesus. But we're in a world where many, many people, they do not love the truth. They don't want to repent of their sin. They don't want to bend knee to Christ Jesus. And they want a savior to their liking. And this man is going to come on the scene, and they're going to say peace and safety. They're going to celebrate it. There's going to be confetti and so forth. And then it says, then sudden destruction comes upon them. And that's when you begin to move into those seven years of tribulation that Revelation goes deep into detail concerning. Now listen, again, the Lord says concerning all of this, not to let your heart be troubled. And I want to give you tonight five things we already talked about not leaning on our understanding, not worrying. And so maybe you could put that as 1A if you want. But I want to give you five things to combat fear and worry and terror that Satan wants to, you know what, bring upon you. And listen, we need this not only in light of what we're looking at here, but we need this counsel just, just in our everyday lives. We absolutely need it. So number one, how do we combat fear and terror? The Lord said, uh, you know what, do not be troubled. And again, he's saying don't be troubled because it's going to happen. You need to know that. But we see in other places in Scripture ways to combat that trouble that Satan wants to bring on us. Even, you know what, uh, in, in, in addition to just knowing this is how things are going to be. The Lord said it's going to happen this way. So, you know, don't faint. This is happening according to God's plan. But I'll tell you five things here. Number one, again, we know this would happen. And here's the great thing. God is in control. God's in control. I go back to Acts, where we've been on Sunday morning there in Acts 4. Uh, persecution begins to rise up against the church. Uh, they've told John and Peter to quit preaching the gospel. Uh, they probably said you can't sing either when you get together there. I imagine they tacked that on. Uh, no preaching and no singing either. You know, ain't nothing to do with that. Worship of God type stuff. 
And then in Acts 4, verse 24, it says, when they heard that, they raised their voices to God with one accord and said, and I love this, Lord, you are God who made heaven and earth and the sea and all that's in them. And in that, they were doing two things. Number one, they said, listen, we're not just going to cast our care upon the Lord. Oh, Lord, they're telling us we can't preach and we can't sing. What are we going to do? No, it's the first thing they did. They gave praise to God. You're the God who made heaven, earth, the sea, and all that's in them. We're going to give you praise. And you know what happens when we give God praise? We see God as he is big, and then we see all these things as they are very, very small. We need to remember in the midst of all these things that God is big. These things are small. God is absolutely in control. Number two, listen, to combat fear and terror, we need to abide in Jesus, to sit at his feet. I'm not going to read it, but in Luke 10, 38 through 42, we read about Mary and Martha. Uh, Jesus is there at their house, and Martha is running around concerned with, you know, the pot roast and sweeping the porch and all these kinds of things. And there's a place for that, but when Jesus is there, you want to kind of put those things to the side. Meanwhile, Mary is sitting at the feet of the Lord. She's really doing what Jesus talks about in John 15, 5, when he talks about abiding in him, where he says, he who abides in me bears much fruit. What is abiding in the Lord? It's having a prayer life, being in the word, being a worshiper of God, having a walk with Jesus Christ according to the word of God. Martha comes up to Jesus and says, you need to rebuke my sister. She needs to get busy. And then Jesus says to her in Luke 1041, Martha, Martha, you are worried and troubled about many things, but one thing is needed, and Mary has chosen that good part which will not be taken away from her. Martha, you're troubled by many things. Are you troubled by many things tonight? We need to take heed from what Mary was doing. The one thing that was needed. What was she doing? She was abiding in the Lord. Man, abide in the Lord this day. Rejoice in the Lord. Cast all your cares upon him. He cares for you. He cares about the big things. He cares about the threat of a civil war. He also cares about your hangnail. He absolutely does. Bring it all before him. Bring it all before him. Praise him. Enjoy him. Get into the word of God. Be a worshiper of the Lord. Not just on Sunday mornings or on a Wednesday night when we gather together. It's imperative that each day you spend time with the Lord, that you are, you are seated at his feet. Not out of a law, not out of a rule, not out of you have to do this, but out of he is our risen Lord, he is God. We get to do this. Mary chose the good thing. Martha was troubled about many things. The running around, all this stuff we got to do, what might happen next? Mary's at his feet. Number three. So number one. Again, we know these things will happen or happening or will happen. God's in control. Secondly, we need to sit at the Lord's feet or abide in Jesus. Number three, let's remember the Lord is with us. The Lord will never leave us in Christ. And the Lord will always provide for us no matter what. That's comforting. Jesus said in Matthew 28, 20, And lo, I'm with you always, even till when? The end of the age, amen. amen. What will be the sign of the coming and the end of the age? All this stuff, and then the Lord says, but I'm with you to the end of the age. Remember that. I love uh, Romans 8, 35 through, uh, 
what is it, 39, it says, who will separate us from the love of Christ? So tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or pearl or sword, as it is written, for your sake we're killed all day long. We are counted as sheep to the slaughter, yet in all these things we're more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I'm persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. We might lose everything. I hope we don't. But you got to know this tonight, the enemy, what's his real war against? It's against the gospel of Jesus Christ. Oh, that enemy's out to get all these conservatives. I know a lot of conservatives, they don't know Christ at all. They cleave to that because it's their way of building their empires, of, you know, a, a more effective way. And I'm, I'm not saying that, you know what, that, that owning things is bad, having businesses is bad. It's not at all, unless we put it over God. We can lose everything, but nothing can separate you. Let me ask you, are you in Christ tonight? Is he your Lord? Can you say amen to that? Amen. Nothing can separate you from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus. Remember that. Everywhere you go, he is with you, and nothing can separate you from him. And then Psalm 39, 23, it says, The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, and he delights in his way. Though he shall fall, he shall not be utterly cast down, for the Lord will, for the Lord upholds them with his hand. I have been young, and now I'm old. And listen to this. Yet I have not seen the righteous forsaken, nor his descendants begging bread. God's going to take care of you. Rejoice in that. Number four, remember that in Christ, God will work all things for your good. All things. All these things going on in the world today, he will work it for your good. Romans 8, 28, we know all things work for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. And then Jeremiah 29, 11, it says, I know the thoughts I think towards you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil to give you a future and hope. What a lot of people don't know the quote Jeremiah 29, 11, is that that word was given by Jeremiah the prophet from the Holy Spirit when Israel was being taken into a 70-year captivity. Then very easy for them to lean on their own understanding. We're being dragged off. We're losing our homes, our businesses, these things. We're being dragged off to a foreign land under this Nebuchadnezzar, who doesn't fear God, God would deal with him. Later on down the road, after he's out in the field for seven years, he'd call upon the name of the Lord. But in the midst of that, God tells them, I know the thoughts I think towards you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace, not of evil, to give you future and hope. Because God used all that to redirect Israel's course. They were getting off course from being that nation God would bring the Messiah through. And then number five, we need to remember that we are here to be soldiers for Christ and not to count our lives dear to ourselves. We are very, very blessed as Christians in America in the West. We have an abundance of things. If you make $32,000 a year, you are in the top 1% in the world with wealth. That's crazy when you think about that. Now, you make $32,000 a year in California, 
that's a different thing. But there's a lot of people in the world, they don't even got, you know, two pairs of shoes. They might not have any shoes. It's easy for us to get so attached to the things that we have. And instead of us owning that and using those things for his glory, those things begin to own us. They can be great blessings, and indeed, we, we need not be ashamed for having wealth, provided we give thanks to God and we use it for his glory. But if it owns us and it chips away at being a soldier for Christ and recognizing my life is not my own, it belongs to the Lord, if we just count our life dear to ourselves, it's going to bring worry, it's going to bring fear. It's going to bring a loss of rewards because instead of stepping out of faith and going, listen, God's going to go before me. My life here is short. It paralyzes you. It does the opposite. In Acts chapter 20, a prophetic word was given that the guy that owns this belt, he's going to get persecuted in Jerusalem. And that belt belonged to the apostle Paul. And in Acts 20, 22, he says, and see, now I go bound in the spirit to Jerusalem, not knowing the things that will happen to me there except the Holy Spirit testifies in every city, saying that chains and tribulations await me. And verse 24, he says, But none of these things move me, nor do I count my life dear to myself, so that I may finish my race with joy. And the ministry which I received from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. Listen, when we hold our life dear to ourselves. It's gonna, it hinders us from running the race, from finishing well and walking with the joy. And again, there's a balance in this. We're blessed. Listen, we're blessed as a church. We're very, we got a building that's, you know, beautiful that we don't own a dime on. I mean, God is so abundantly blessed this fellowship. If we're in the place right now, boy, if a civil war comes up and they come after the churches, we're gonna lose our building. What are we gonna do? Oh, bend a knee. No, we're gonna trust in God. Because I've told you guys before, and it's true, Satan comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Christ comes to give life and life in abundance. And the more throughout scriptures, when the enemy takes away, you know what God does? He pours out more of his Holy Spirit. And he always provides for his saints. We've seen in Acts, yeah, they were all driven out of Jerusalem. And it doesn't say they spread the gospel as they begged for bread on the corners. It doesn't say that. God provided for them. God went before them. Our God's on the throne, amen. amen. That was a nice amen there. <laughs> we need that record, I can just press a button. <laughs> Quickly, in verse 7, he says, Nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. Now, this is interesting. The word nation here means ethnos. It's where we get the word ethnicity. That means a race, a tribe, a pagan, a heathen. Um, even though race... You're not going to find that in the word of God. There's one race, the human race. We come from one blood, Acts 17. You never find race in the scripture. You find tribes and tongues and so forth. But this speaks of people groups rising up against other people groups. And again, we talked about this perhaps cold war we're in right now. Not of race. It's not of race. It's of ideologies. Oh, is it going to be a race war? No. It's, if, if that happens, and if there is one right now, it's a, it's a, it's a civil war of ideologies. I, I see these riots in the street, and it's like, 
oh, there's one black guy, and it's all these snot-nosed little Marxist white kids, like, breaking stuff. Oh, we're having a race war. That doesn't look like that to me. It's not that. It's ideology is what it is. God forbid, I want to see that. You know what I want to see? I want to see our nation fall on their knees and call upon Christ and turn back to Jesus. And we need to be praying for that. It's not time to throw on the towel. You know what time it is? It's time to get bold for Jesus and quit cowering and say, oh, we better not sing. Gavin said not to. Our God said to lift our voices to him. And if we won't even praise God on a Sunday morning, how are we going to preach Christ out in the street on Monday morning? Kingdom versus kingdom. This is speaking of royalty and rulers or kings and presidents taking their nations to war. They're going to rise up against each other. It's interesting, that word in the Greek, it means to waken, to, to rise out of sleep, or from obscurity. And it's almost the picture of some things just out of obscurity, just where there wasn't even seen a problem, it just coming out of nowhere. Just rising up out of nowhere. I think we see a lot of that in the world. And you're like, well, where does this come from? Three places. First John 5, 19, we know that we are of God and the whole world lies under the sway of the wicked one. The wicked one stirring these things up. And then Psalm 2, 1, why do the nations rage, rage and the people plot vain things and the kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed saying, let us break their bonds in pieces and cast away their cords from us. There's a lot of wicked people in high places. And I know that not because I watched Alex Jones the other day. It's because I read Psalms 2. And then James 4, 1, where do wars and fights come from, come from among you? Do they not come from your desires for pleasure that war in your members? So oftentimes, again, these nation versus nation or people groups, so much of it oftentimes, not always, Sometimes it's just one group, sometimes it's both groups that are just driven by their own desires. We want it our way. And then he says next, there'll be famines, pestilence, earthquakes in various places. Luke tacks on in Luke 21, 11, there'll be fearful sights and great signs from heaven. And boy, there's trembling in the world today. And you know why? Romans 8, 19 through 22 tells us. It says, for the earnest expectation of creation eagerly waits for the revealing of the sons of God. That's reference to the rapture of the church. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in and hope. That refers to Adam's sin. The world was put under a curse. But there's a hope in Christ in his first coming and then in the second coming. Verse 2, because the creation, or 21, because the creation itself also will be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. And then notice 22, for we know that the whole creation groans and labors with birth pains together until now. The world is experiencing, the earth is experiencing birth pains. I'll read a few of the headlines just from the past few weeks, and then we got one last point, and then we'll, we'll Lord willing, do a Q&A. This is just the past few weeks, just, just some that I, I just went 
uh, and, and this is crazy. Just the headlines. Argentina and Brazil crops threatened by locust swarms. Next one. At least 107 people were killed by lightning in India. Dozens injured. Next one. Coronavirus-shaped hailstones the size of eggs fall in China. And then they tacked on an end of day's omen. <laughs> Next one. Siberian wildfires swell amid historic heat wave. Next one. West Nile virus infects 10 people in southern Florida. Oh, boy. Yeah, that sounds great. Europe on alert for unknown radioactive spike detected over Baltic Sea. Northwest Georgia experienced rare earthquake. Hordes of blood-sucking, disease-carrying horseflies invade the UK. Drought conditions expand across the US. India locust swarm sweeps, uh, sweeps Delhi uh, and then suburban Gurugan. China, some city I can't pronounce, hit by 6.4 magnitude earthquake. Mexico-California border, a hotspot for quakes in 2020. A volcano update, 25 quakes recorded in last 24 hours in Canalone. Signs of drought in European groundwater. More than a third of millennials approve of communism. I don't know how that got in there. It just... Oh, boy, children, children, children. That's a real headline, though, unfortunately. There's nothing left. Sanhedrin farmland stripped by locust swarms. And there's a ton of these locust stories. And I heard a thing yesterday. It was a credible source. And they were talking about how some of the African nations, they're able to deal with the swarms. And they're migrating, but they're going to nations that don't have the means to deal with them. And they eat the leaf, not the plant, so the plant will come back, but it's depleting the food source. But they said because those nations can't deal with the locust, when they come back next season, they'll be 20 times greater. So the list just goes on and on. It, uh, Philippine villagers brace for volcano. 5.8 magnitude strikes California. Uh, the largest sand... Uh, Saharan dust, dust cloud in 50 years engulfs the Caribbean. Uh, state of emergency declared after severe floods hit Siberian Bosnia. Again, it just goes on and on and on, this, this stuff on and on. And some people say, oh, it's just because we, we hear of everything today. We have access to more news. But if you track these things, you find that that's not the case. They're happening on a more rapid pace. You know what? Day after day, or you know, it was kind of year after year, month after month. It's just an intensity around the world. The Lord says in verse 8, all these are the beginning of sorrows. The deception, the wars, the rumors of wars, the famines, the earthquakes, the pestilence, the beginning of sorrows. And again, sorrow, it's a pain, especially a birth pain. And he says, this is just the beginning. And I'll tell you, you get into the tribulation. We went through the book of Revelation about three, four years ago. This ain't nothing. Amen. This is nothing. You get into Revelation, and I'll just give you a few passages. And, and I pray to God that we're not here for this. I lean heavily to a pre-tribulation rapture, but I don't know. All I know is the Lord said, watch and be ready. And, and we better all agree to that every day. 
Watch and be ready. Watch and be ready. Watch and be ready. For the snatching away of the church that we read about in 1 Thessalonians 4. But in Revelation 6, it talks about during the tribulation, it says a quart of wheat for a denarius and three quarts of barley for a denarius and do not harm the oil and the wine. A denarius is a, way, is a day's wage. A day's wage for a loaf of bread. It's interesting. Don't, don't harm the oil and the wine. And many believe that's because God's going to allow the things of luxury to be there. But who cares about the oil and wine when you got to work all day for a loaf of bread? Revelation 9, it talks about these locusts that come out from the earth that are given the ability to sting men without the seal of God, tribulation saints, and torment them for five months. And it says they're going to seek death and not be able to find it. It's kind of a walking death, death scenario in that, think about this, people are going to try to even kill themselves and they're not going to be able to. And then you get into Revelation 16, and it talks about a great earthquake that's more mighty than any earthquake ever recorded, and it talks about the mountains and the islands being flattened on the earth. And then sadly, men continue to blaspheme God and won't repent. It's something else. But praise God, you know what he's told us tonight? These things have to come about, and don't let your heart be troubled. That's what we want to take away from tonight. Don't let your heart be troubled in Christ Jesus. Our God's on the throne. We got an invite to abide in him every day. He's not going to leave you nor forsake you. Nothing can separate you from him. Amen. The righteous will not beg for bread. Amen. God's going to provide for your needs according to his riches and glory. And he's going to work it all for good of those who love God and are called according to his purposes. And let's remember in the midst of all of it, we're called here to be soldiers for Christ. It's a privilege to be a soldier for Christ. Well, we got a few minutes tonight as we, we close things up. Are there any, uh, any questions tonight? I'll do my best to try to give a biblical answer or a, a, if it's just my thought or opinion, I'll let you know that. Anyone got any questions tonight? Yeah. What do you say to the people who are having babies right now or having or, or my son's getting married in two weeks? And, right. Um, besides the fact that you, you, you teach them the gospel and you pray they're saved, but um, and your son's engaged in you know, how, how do you... So the question is, what, what counsel would you give to, to young people getting married and considering having kids? Um, well, the Lord said, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it. I mean, again, are we going to trust in God or walk in fear? Uh, obviously, personally, you want to be led of the Lord in that and guided, but sometimes God moves in mysterious ways and kids just come along, Right. So I would tell them, be led of the Lord, and I would not, this, again, we're, we're not called to bend knee to the enemy. We need to be led by the Lord. Amen. And he did say, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it. Now listen, some, some folks, uh, you know, got a call to singleness. There's some couples that, you know, they, do, they don't have children for whatever reason between them and the Lord. But I, my, kid, my son's getting married in, in uh, October, 
and they keep saying they're not going to have kids right away. But man, when they get a baby, those two, there's like the happiest I've ever seen. Where are they at? It's like, oh, the baby. So, you know, I say, fear God, not man. Fear God. That's what I tell them. I just, I just would. I think that's biblical. Again, God didn't say fill the earth, uh, multiply, fill the earth, and subdue it, except at the end of the age. He just doesn't say it. I mean, God's going to go before you in that. I see wheels turning in minds. Okay, I have another one that I've been wanting to ask last week. Okay. Um, my mother, you know, in the 1950s or something, I mean, she had to convince her sister to finish college because they were so convinced. She was so convinced that right. the rapture was coming. And, right. um, and of course, they thought this many times, but I mean, how, how is this different, would you say, biblically, or your personal opinion? The question was, uh, in the 50s, there was counsel given to a younger gal not to finish college because the Lord's coming. Um, listen, in the 50s, they should have been living life like the Lord's coming, but, but that doesn't mean quit going to college and doing those things because, listen, kids go to college, and it's a great opportunity to be a great witness for Christ. And, and we just, we, you know what, we, we don't shrink back on those things because we don't know when he's coming. He might be coming soon and, you know, th- this, everything going on, who knows, maybe this will be a gift from God uh, to, to revive our country. We don't know that. At the same time, we don't bury our heads in the sand because, again, especially you get in the Middle East and Israel being a nation and so forth, there's a lot of writing on the wall. But number one, what we want to be doing is, is honoring God and seeking him first we want to be prayer, pr- prayerful about those things, obviously, but God hasn't called us not to move forward in our life. I mean, I got kids in school and things, and they're, they're moving forward in that, and our encouragement for them is to do those things while putting Jesus first in, in all of those things. So listen, we see all this going on now, but think about living in Europe during World, World War II. I mean, you got a guy named Hitler with concentration camps killing Jews and gypsies and Christians. Uh, it, it was bombed to smithereens, and, and it was a, a, a Christian nation. I mean, people thought this is the end. And uh, there's different things today that line up more with Scripture. Um, but it would have done them no good just to say, well, I'm going to put my life on, uh, on hiatus. We need to move forward in the things God's called us to do, and, and again, looking for his coming and not letting our heart be troubled. And listen, these things are a great opportunity to share, to talk to people about Jesus. People are interested in these things. I mean, you look at the, 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 what's uh, trending on, on Twitter, and it's like end of days, Bible. You know, uh, I've shared before, you know, 666 will be up there, not necessarily because they read their Bible, but they listen to Ozzy, you know, in junior high school. But then they hear about, you know, at a vaccination with digital ID. And like someone says, it sounds like the mark of the beast. And they're like, what is this? And there's a stirring in people. And I think in part, it's good to be educated these things, to talk with people. But listen, if I'm going to talk to someone about this, I, I, I'll talk about rumors and wars and all this kind of stuff and try to bring this information. But my ultimate goal is to bring them to Jesus Christ. Stir the conversation of the gospel to what Christ has done for us. So we need to be out and about and involved and so forth. And 
listen, if, if you're going to run away and go somewhere, make sure that you're, you're, you're running to something that God's calling you to, not running away from where the Lord wants you to be. Anyone else? You don't want Karen to take all of your questions tonight. You got another one? Okay. Yeah, Kristen. So um, on social media or, or just in discussions, we have a lot of division in the church among uh, with disputable matters. So things right. like wearing a mask or not wearing a mask, and, and people are very heated on both sides. Mm-hmm. How do we as Christians live out what is in Romans 14 and, and really right. not passing judgment on either side of the fence? I think on the mask issue, the Bible says to avoid foolish disputes. I think it's silly. I mean, I think I'm not, I'm not a mask guy. I like having oxygen in my body. But listen, if someone wants to wear one, they have freedom in Christ to wear it. You know, if, 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 if you feel like they're going to shame you because you're not. Now, I think if you go into business and, and you know, they're enforcing wearing the mask, it's their business. You either wear it or you don't. Right? I mean, there's a lot where you can go in there and they don't care. Uh, I think we need to be respectful of people. I, I, think, it's, I think the enemy wants to bait us into silliness. Uh, die on a mountain, not on a molehill, is what I would tell people. And, um, you know, the Bible says, again, to avoid foolish disputes. Now, some people get passionate about, you know, at things. They just listen to, to kind of one side of the information and so forth. And be careful not to take that bait. You know, really be careful. Sometimes it's an issue even of, you know, Paul talks about the weaker brother. And the, the you know, the, he knew he had freedom to eat meat. But he knew it would, it would hurt some people's conscience because they had come out of sacrificing the idols and eating meat. And so many Jews that were converted to Christianity, there were certain meats. And he had the freedom to eat meat. But he said, I'll never eat meat again if it causes my brother to stumble. So he gave up hamburgers for the sake of brothers, and so he just avoided a foolish dispute. I got a sense, though, when he was alone, they had the barbecue going, and it was like a triple stack over here and whatnot. So, and he was free in Christ. He probably had cheese all over it, too, because we we're not under that you know, ceremonial law. So hope, I hope that helps, but I, I just, the verse that comes to my mind is to avoid foolish disputes. And don't, don't die on a molehill. Just don't, don't lose friends over a mass issue, issue that eventually the Lord willing is going to go by the wayside. You know, don't take that bait. Represent the Lord. Listen, if there's division over the gospel, the Lord says he didn't come to bring peace but a sword. But don't take the bait over the mask and that kind of thing. And listen, when, when you type something on social media, you got to remember that ain't ever coming back. You know, think before you press the, the button there, so... Hopefully that's helpful a little bit. Anything, anything else? We got about three, four, or five more minutes. Anything on your guys' mind, I can, if we're good, we'll close in prayer. Hope you guys look like you're itching. All right, well, let's pray. And um, I hope you guys have been encouraged tonight. Again, listen, the, the, the point of this is it's not, we, we should be excited about the coming of the Lord, and absolutely we should be looking at the things going on in the world in light of the scriptures. There's, there's a lot of craziness in the world, but my prayer is that, that you leave here tonight in Christ encouraged, 
that you leave here tonight built up in the Lord. Because remember when we started this, really what we wanted to focus in on are these exhortations. Do not be deceived. Well, how do we get more discernment? Do not be troubled. How do we walk in that? Boy, I'm going to tell you, if, if you're walking in a manner with discernment and with joy in your heart in the midst of these things, you, you're going you're gonna to make an impact on the world around you, I guarantee it. When you're walking with the joy of the Lord in the midst of a lot of fear that's out there. And we want to have compassion on these folks. And we want to have answers for the hope that lies within us. And so hopefully this has helped equip us uh, a little more tonight. So God, we praise you. We give you thanks, God. Just thank you for everyone that's, that's come out tonight to worship you, God. I thank you, Lord, for just the sense of freedom that's in this place through the work of the cross, the work of your Holy Spirit. We thank you for your word that is so good, Lord. And we thank you, Lord, that, again, Lord, your, your timing of all things are perfect, God. Lord God, as we close, Lord, you know the hearts of, of everyone in this place tonight. Lord, you know those who have called on your name um, in, in truth and sincerity. And Lord, you know if there's any here tonight that, that haven't really asked you to be the Lord of their life. They, 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 they haven't, God, yielded to you. And Lord, you know even watching online where everyone is. And Lord God, we know that you desire for all men to come to know you. And if that's you tonight and you don't know the Lord, you need to know this, that Jesus loves you. He hates sin. He hates my sin. He hates our sin. He loves you, and he wants to save you. He wants to be your Lord and Savior. And again, we touched on it in the message, whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Now listen, that's not just some cheap prayer that you pray and then you're your own Lord. That's calling upon Christ and asking him to be the Lord of your life. That's saying, I want to turn from being my own Lord. I, I, I don't want to be a man that lives by the motto, do as thou wilt. But Jesus, I want you to be my Lord. And by your help, I want to walk in what you would have me to do. That's what it is to call upon the Lord. It, it's... it's to asking him to rule your life. It's bending knee to him. It's submitting to him. And again, the word says, whoever will call upon his name will be saved. I'd encourage you tonight, if that's you, to call on his name. To ask him to be your Lord. And in fact, as we close in prayer right now, if you don't know the Lord and you're saying, Steve, I, I want to call on him. I really do. I want him to be my Lord. I would love to lead you in a prayer, just a simple prayer that affirms what's going on in your heart. And tonight, if you know Christ, I want to invite you to pray along with any that would be praying that tonight, because we stand with you. This is room just of sinners, and the only thing that saves us is Christ. So if that's you, I want to invite you to pray with me. If that's you at home watching, I want to invite you to pray as well. Just say, Dear Lord Jesus, I know I'm a sinner. I need salvation and forgiveness. I believe you died for my sin and rose from the grave to give life. Please give me that life. Please be my Lord and my Savior and my God and friend and physician and all the things that you are all of my days. I thank you, Lord. And Lord, we pray that you'd meet, Lord, any tonight that have prayed that prayer for the first time. Lord, maybe there's some folks tonight that 
they know you, but they've been prodigals away. And they're coming back to you, God, with a walk with you. Meet them where they're at. God, shine your face upon them in a special way. And just bless the folks here tonight, God. Bless our fellowship right now and the rest of this evening. We just thank you that you're so good and that you are just wonderful. And we ask you saints tonight in Jesus' mighty name. And we said together, amen. God bless you guys.